This message comes from NPR sponsor FX, presenting the next installment of Fargo. Fargo, starring Chris Rock and Jason Schwartzman, premieres with back-to-back episodes Sunday, September 27th at 9 p.m. on FX and streams next day FX on Hulu. From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from the Bell House in beautiful Brooklyn, New York, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia, Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. We've got a great show for you. Four brilliant contestants are backstage putting headphones on each other's ears and saying, this song will change your life. They're also here to play our nerdy games, and one will be our big winner. Our special guests are from SpongeBob SquarePants, the Broadway musical. The musical has been nominated for 12 Tony Awards. The original cartoon has already won several Emmys, so I think SpongeBob SquarePants should probably win an Oscar next. Uh, So here are some movie pitches. Three billboards outside of Bikini Bottom. The Shape of Squidward. Call me by your SquarePants. That pineapple scene really sticks with you. Our first game is about food that is less appealing the more you learn about it. Let's meet our contestants. We have Ari Levine. He works at an architecture firm. Hey, Ari. Hi. When you know the answer and ring in, we'll hear this. And your opponent is Roseanne Ganji Gartner. She is a speech and language pathology grad student. Hello. Hi. When you ring in, we're going to hear this. Roseanne and Ari, the first of you who wins two of our games will go on to our final round. Let's start with a trivia game called Honest Foods. Turns out delicious foods and drinks can sound a little less appealing when you describe them in a detailed way. So Jonathan and I will describe a dish. You tell us what it's more commonly known as. And here we go. Care to see our list of grape juices exposed to yeast to ferment over the course of several months to years? Roseanne. Wine. Yes, it is. Delicious, delicious wine. Today's salad is topped with these crumbles of curdled cow's milk infected with penicillin bacteria and left to age in a cave. They've got a sharp tang and a distinctive veiny look. Ari. Blue cheese. Blue cheese is correct. By the way, my goal is to be described as distinctive, veiny look as an old woman. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. She's pretty ugly, but she does have a distinctive, Distinctive veiny veiny look. (laughs) Tonight's pasta is topped with these shavings of French underground tree fungus sniffed out by trained dogs. Roseanne. Truffles. Yum, yum, truffles. Mm. That is correct. This Italian delicacy is made from ground pig parts, including fat, then stuffed into a pig intestine and left to dry for several weeks. Don't worry about the white mold covering it. That's the best part. Ari. Sausage? Uh, can you be more specific? Hmm. I don't think I can. All right. (laughs) Thank you for being honest, Ari. Roseanne, do you know the answer? Is it salami? It is salami. That's right. Our raw bar features these slimy bivalve mollusks flavored by the algae, plankton, and other particles floating in the seawater they live in. Roseanne. Clams? Puzzle Guru Greg Pliska, are we going to take clams? Yes, we will accept clams. Clams is correct. Oysters would have also been correct. They're both Brita filters of the sea. We sweetened our desserts with flower nectar that was eaten by a bee, then regurgitated up into the mouth of another bee. Enjoy. Roseanne. Honey. That is correct. Now, honeybees have two stomachs, and one is a honey stomach. How great is it to be a bee? Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, that is beautiful. Yeah. It's like that old saying, if it comes out of your honey stomach, it's not barf. (laughs) (laughs) This is your last clue. Our kids' menu includes a special treat, collagen derived from bones and other animal tissue flavored with sugar and artificial flavors. Ari. Jello? That's correct. (laughs) 
Puzzle Guru Greg Pliska, how did our contestants do? Roseanne, well done. You're one step closer to the final round. Next, we'll play a game about karaoke. In other words, James Corden's writer's room. <laughs> Roseanne, you played in the All City Marching Band? That's correct. Um, you must be pretty good at what you play. What do you play? I was a mediocre trumpet player, but oh. it was the pilot year of the band, so they let just about anyone in that year. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, though. And you got a little special attention from a, I, I guess he was an ex-mayor the, the mayor time. at the time, Ed Koch, came by and patted me on the back while I was playing in front of F.O. Schwartz, which was a little disconcerting because I was playing, but uh, it was nice to Just get attention and, from his honor. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> Ari, you consult for the rehab of exteriors. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, m most of the work we do is on existing buildings. Yeah, making um, them look better because they're falling apart? Yeah, pretty much. Or they're dangers to the public. Sure, um, sure, sure. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> uh, you'll be happy to know, actually, New York City requires every building that's over six stories tall to be reviewed on a five-year cycle in case, like, bricks are going to fall on people's heads. Ah. And we're the ones that assess that and then fix it. But if it's Five stories, you're cool. Sorry, you're out of luck. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know the word karaoke comes from the Japanese words for empty orchestra? Yeah, because why pay musicians when you can get a machine to do it? Right, Jonathan? Yeah. I've been begging you to replace me with a robot for years. <laughs> <laughs> so this is an audio quiz called Character Karaoke. We're going to play you a clip of a movie or television character performing karaoke. You're going to buzz in and tell me the name of the actor. And if you get it right, for a bonus point, you can name the song. Roseanne, you won the last game, so you win this, and you are in the final round. Ari, you need to win this, or you have to go sing karaoke sober. <laughs> Here we go. Your first clip is from Lost in Translation. you got to name the actor. I could feel at the time There was no way of knowing Fallen leaves in the night Who can say where they're blowing Ari. Bill Murray. That's correct, yeah. If you know that movie, your other choice would have been Scarlett Johansson, so good call. For a bonus point, can you name the song? I cannot. Have you heard the song before? It's vaguely familiar. Vaguely yeah. familiar, okay. That was More Than This by Roxy Music. Uh, my 89-year-old mother loves Roxy Music. P.S. Really? Yep, <laughs> loves it. It's good to vacuum to. Here's Liz Lemon in 30 Rock. High school girls with clear skin smiles Who married young and then retired Whoa Name the actor. Ari. Tina Fey. Yeah, Tina Fey. That's a gimme, right? If you yeah. don't know that, you yeah. are living under a rock. 30 Rocks. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for a bonus point, can you name the song? I want to say those were the years. <laughs> Incorrect, but no. interesting. <laughs> it's actually at 17. Uh -huh. This clip is from Rush Hour 2. Get Just love me till you don't know how. All right, who's the actor? Ari. Chris Tucker? Yes, Chris Tucker is correct. <laughs> For a bonus point, can you name the song? Is that uh, Don't Stop Till You Get It you On? You got it, yes, <laughs> Michael Jackson. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I got so excited. Oh. What did you say? <laughs> I did say don't, don't stop, stop till you get, get it, it on. on. Yeah. Oh. I do like your version. I like the intention behind your version. Aw. Appreciate it. It's actually it. don't stop till you get enough, which mm. is the, in, that yours, your song would come first, and then that song right. would come right. That's the sequel. It's the yeah. sequel. <laughs> Who's singing this clip from The Office? Whatever we deny or embrace, the worse off or better, we We belong, we belong together, Ryan. <laughs> Ari. 
Mindy Kaling. Mindy Kaling is correct. <laughs> For that bonus point, can you name the song? Is it We Belong Together? Puzzle Guru Greg Pliska, can we accept that answer? Well, he said the right answer, and then he added an extra can word. I, can I truncate <laughs> we'll, it? <laughs> so we'll take the first two words okay, and accept yes. that. <laughs> we belong. Pat Benatar. And here's one from Veronica Mars. One way or another, I'm gonna find you. I'm gonna get you, get you, get you, get you one way or another. I'm gonna win ya. I'm gonna get ya. Roseanne. Kristen Bell. Yeah, that's correct. For a bonus point, can you name the song? One way or another. That's right. (laughs) All the words. (laughs) By Blondie. And this is your last clue. He's not technically doing karaoke here, but who's singing in this clip from 48 Hours? You don't have to put on a red light. days are over. You don't have to say about it to the Roseanne. Eddie Murphy. Yes, Eddie Murphy. Still holds up. For a bonus point, can you name the song? Roxanne. Roxanne by the police. All right, Puzzle Guru Greg Pliska, how did our contestants do? Well, it was an excellent and very close match, and our winner of that round is Ari. Now, this means you've each won one game. So it's time for a quick game three. The way this works is I'll give you a category and you'll go back and forth naming things that fall into that category. The first contestant to mess up will be eliminated. Okay, here is your category. As of this recording, name the nine current United States Supreme Court justices. Ari. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That is, that is correct. Anthony Kennedy. Correct, Ari. Steve Scalia. Or Antonin Scalia. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. The remaining correct answers were Samuel Alito, Stephen Breyer, Neil Gorsuch, Elena Kagan, John Roberts, Sonia Sotomayor, Clarence Thomas. Ari, we're sorry to see you go. Roseanne, you're headed to the final round. Coming up, we'll find out who will face off against Roseanne in the final round, and we'll talk to Ethan Slater from SpongeBob SquarePants, the Broadway musical. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Candid's Foundation Directory Online. For nonprofits in search of grant funding, FDO helps you see which funders are most likely to support your cause. FDO gives you access to the insights you need to build robust prospect lists and connect with the right grantmakers to meet your fundraising goals. Discover how Candid's FDO can help you win funding to support your mission-critical work at fdo.org NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Splunk. At Splunk, they believe every problem is a data problem, and their data-to-everything platform helps people everywhere solve their biggest challenges. Splunk can help you turn your real-time data from across your organization into successful outcomes for security, IT, DevOps, and, well, everything. Learn more about Splunk, the data-to-everything platform, at splunk.com D2E. This is Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. I'm Jonathan Colton, here with puzzle guru Greg Pliska. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. It's time to bring out our special guest. He's a Tony Award nominee for his portrayal of SpongeBob SquarePants on Broadway. Please welcome Ethan Slater. Ethan, welcome. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's so exciting to have you here. So let's start uh, from the beginning of your SpongeBob journey. Yes. Verify with me where you were and what you were doing when you received the information that you had an audition for SpongeBob SquarePants. I was, I remember very clearly, I was in my friend's dorm room at Vassar College. Mm -hmm. I was, yeah, go Vassar, go Brewers. I don't know if you remember, that was our mascot. (laughs) And uh, I was sitting on a beanbag chair in a dorm room, 
and like uh, you know like across from me was my friend's poster of all the faces that SpongeBob makes, all those wacky faces, and then he had a plush SpongeBob doll that was me. that lived on that beanbag chair. So I was like sitting next to it, and I got a phone call. And it was this casting director who had just seen me audition for Romeo and Juliet really randomly as part of an apprenticeship that I wanted to work at for the summer. And they said, we have this audition for you. Can't tell you what it is technically. It's the Untitled Tina Landau Project, but we think you might be the right shape for it. Um, And yeah, that hurt. That one hurt a little bit, but... I've gotten over it. But you didn't um, know what they were talking about I at all. I didn't know. No, they, they said the, the name is Chipper Chip, and just we're going to send you a follow-up email. So I went back into the dorm room. I was like, guys, I got this audition. How cool. This is going to be a... And like, there's like this little picture in the email of SpongeBob doing the hands. And I like looked at the doll, and I looked at the poster, and I looked at my friends, and I was like, oh, Chipper Chip is SpongeBob. <laughs> um, that is a crazy coincidence. It was, it was really wild. You go to the audition and you decide you're not going to do a SpongeBob impression because he has this very distinctive, high-pitched, kind of giggly voice that you're not going to do that. You're just going to use your own voice. Right. Yeah. That was like both um, a conscious decision as an artist and also a choice that I made out of fear and eight hours of preparation time. Sure. Uh, I had never tried to do a SpongeBob impression. I had a lot of friends who were great at doing the laugh, yeah. and that was not me. So I stayed up, you know, working on my physical comedy routine until four in the morning on the quad, and I just sort of like did the whole thing like this, just like Ethan, but like a little bit more excited. <laughs> and um, and the audition went pretty well. <laughs> and, but as I remember it, Tina Landau, the director, at the end was like great job, awesome. Come back in and do the voice. It's pretty important. <laughs> um, I, was like, I was like, cool, 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 cool. Yes, yeah, so you said you were, you were studying at Vassar, you were studying drama. You, yeah. uh, you got this apprenticeship for Romeo and Juliet, did you not? Yeah, I was actually cast in, in the show uh, in addition to the apprenticeship, which was like huge for me. It was like going to be my first professional gig. Yeah. Uh, and I had to drop out because of a conflict with, with Spongebob. Um, which was like a surprisingly difficult decision I to can make. Imagine. Cause I, they were like, well, you've got, you know, two weeks of this workshop or a full production of Shakespeare. And I was like, well, I've been doing plays and I really love Shakespeare. I've, I've been going to Shakespeare shows since I was a little kid in DC. And so that, that was something that I'd always wanted to do. And I talked to my professor at the time and he said, Shakespeare will always be there, but if you pass up the opportunity to work with Tina Landau, you're going to regret it. So I thank Tina for being the reason that I chose the obvious path. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Shakespeare is always going to be there, but SpongeBob is here right now. Right now. Right now. It's this moment. So this show is incredibly physical. I mean, you are doing gymnastics. You are jumping in the air for what seems like over half of that show. I mean, (laughs) it's intense. So what kind of training did you go through? Uh, there was a lot of training. Because um, it's, it's this five years you've been working yeah, on this show? Yeah, it's coming up on six. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I've learned so many skills over the course of those six years. I, I learned things like juggling for a scene that got cut. And um, I learned... Oh, great. Yeah, which is great. But now I can juggle plates. So that's sort of cool. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I went to train with a contortionist for six months. Um, yeah. And yeah. When you see the show, you do this incredible backbend that makes everyone gasp. Yeah. And uh, that's from thanks. that, I imagine. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you to, uh, you know, Jonathan Nosen. Yeah. My contortion teacher. Amazing. Um, okay. I was really aware of the demands going into it, and I didn't want to not be ready. So, yeah, yeah it was a lot. And you've mentioned that playing SpongeBob has actually affected your outlook on life. It has made you a more optimistic person. Totally. Really? Yeah. Totally, yeah. I mean, it's hard not to. I, I mean, I, I have the privilege of you know, being the sponge for two and a half hours, eight shows a week. Um, when did you first notice this? I don't, I don't know. It's like been a gradual increase. Yeah. Um, I think I only started to acknowledge it when people started asking me if I feel like a lot like SpongeBob. Yeah. And like, at first I was like, no. Um, but yeah, I mean like, 
Yeah, I do. And, and I'm really proud that I do because I think that shockingly, SpongeBob has these qualities that I aspire to. He, he's, sure, he's like a little naive maybe, but he's, he's very optimistic and he's able to put his love of his friends and of his community in front of everything else. And when the world is crumbling around everyone, people tend to be taken over by their fear and by their hatred and their ability to scapegoat others. And what SpongeBob is able to do is say, no, I'm not gonna do that. I love my community and I love these people. I'm not going to let this town destroy itself. You know, I get to save the world from itself every night. And that's like, especially these days, <laughs> uh, that feels really like a privilege. Yeah. Uh, all right, are you ready for an Ask Me Another Challenge? Yes, I am. Fantastic. Of course you are. So, Ethan, we actually found a pretty amazing opponent for you. Please welcome the Tony-nominated book writer of SpongeBob SquarePants, <gasps> the musical Kyle Jarrow, everybody. <laughs> Kyle. Thanks for being on the show as well. Happy to have you. Thanks for having me. Okay, so you, you wrote the book. How many years did you have you been working on this project? I think I've been involved almost six years. Okay, yeah. six years. What is the evolution of the story of SpongeBob SquarePants, the musical? What is the evolution of the story? Yeah, has it changed from day one? Yeah, it has. I mean, we knew... Okay, here was the challenge, right? SpongeBob on TV, they're 11-minute episodes. Yes. A Broadway show, you may be aware, is not 11 minutes long. Just a little longer. Just a little longer. So we had to figure out, like, how do we take that crazy, fast-paced show and create a show that can fill an evening and has the kind of stakes the emotional stakes that are going to make us want to sit there for an evening. So pretty early, we settled on the idea that it was going to be the end of the world, which are pretty high stakes, yeah, right? Great. Um, the and then the exact version of end of the world changed a bunch. But we were kind of always on that idea that it was going to be Armageddon meets SpongeBob. SpongeBob and his fellow inhabitants of Bikini Bottom are threatened by a volcano that is going to destroy it. And people are freaking out. They look fish. Up. Fish are freaking fish, out. Fish, fish are freaking just to, out. Thank to clarify. You. <laughs> See, I just saw myself in every single one of those fish. <laughs> You're right. And, and, they, there's, and a squirrel. There Fair. is one yes, squirrel who is who is a mammal, and there is a subtle thing where everyone ends up turning on the mammal, and they even spray paint a sign that says "Mammals go home." Which, of course, seems like a comment on the current world around us. And I'm just wondering, when did this enter the script? Well, you know, interestingly enough, it's been in there a long time. In the show, Sandy the squirrel is the only land mammal, right? right. Actually, there are aquatic mammals. There's a whale. But she's the only land mammal. Thank you. I like you. I, I don't know why I'm being so... No, it's so good. It's good. It's perfect. <laughs> keeping you honest. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, we always thought, Rook, a story about people turning against each other, dealing with fear, the idea of scapegoating somebody, it just, you know, that's what happens. Yep. So she, as the outsider, seemed like, you know, really clear way to tell that story. Sadly, the world has really caught up, and I think it's felt even more relevant than it did even when we did it in Chicago a couple of years ago. Right, art, art imitating reality. Uh, so we have a game for you, Ethan and Kyle. Your game is called Take a Sad Song and Make It Better. <laughs> and to perform your clues, I would like to welcome Tony Award nominee for the music of SpongeBob SquarePants, the Broadway musical, our very own Jonathan Colton. Yes, hello. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So SpongeBob SquarePants is an eternally optimistic character, so we wondered how he might interpret some famously depressing music. Jonathan Colton is going to sing a few lines from a dark, sad, or creepy song, and your job is to ring in and sing the next line of the song. But you have to deliver it like SpongeBob would, with all the optimism and joy and be upbeat as, as much as possible. All right. Here we go. I'm unreasonably nervous. This is Creep by Radiohead. I wish I was special So very special But I'm a creep <laughs> I'm a weirdo Yeah, that's correct, that's correct Yeah Woo. All right, this is Send in the clowns from a little night music. 
Don't you love farce? My fault, I fear I thought that you'd want what I want Sorry, my dear Kyle. Send in the clowns <laughs> Where are the clowns? Yeah, that's, now it sounds fun <laughs> Yeah I've that was thought awesome. Kyle, Kyle was very SpongeBob-esque. <laughs> Next is I Try by Macy Gray. I try to say goodbye and I choke. Try to walk away and I stumble. Ethan. When I try to hide it, it's clear. My world crumbles when you are not near. Yeah, very <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Woo. Hmm. Yeah, in your breakup, you seem fine. Yeah. <laughs> My world's crumbling. <laughs> yeah, yay! <laughs> Everything's good! <laughs> Here's your last clue. Strumming my fate with his finger Singing my life with his word Ethan. Killing me softly with his song Killing me softly Yeah, yeah that's correct. Yeah. beautiful! That sounded great. Oh, that sounded amazing. For those listening at home, I was doing it while smiling. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Puzzle Guru Greg Pliska, how did our special guest do? You know, I hope you both get to hear these words soon. Ethan, you are the winner. Yeah. (laughs) And you get to take home and ask me another Rubik's Cube. Yeah. (laughs) Much more fun than a Tony, let me tell you. Ethan Slater and Kyle Jarrell are both Tony nominees for SpongeBob SquarePants. Thank you. The Broadway musical. <laughs> and so is Woo. Jonathan Colton. Give it up for Ethan, Kyle, and Jonathan too, I guess. Yeah! Want our next special guest to play for you? Follow Ask Me Another on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. In our next word game, we're going to give Peas a chance. We have Lindsay Ruter. She works at a travel tech startup. Hey. Hi. When you ring in, we're going to hear this. And we have Nathan Leslie, and he works in marketing for a nonprofit theater. Hello. Hey there. So when you ring in, we're going to hear this. Okay, remember, Lindsay and Nathan, the first of you who wins two of our games will go on to our final round. So let's go to your first game. Lindsay, what's something that's super easy for you? Um, it's really easy for me to fit into small spaces. <laughs> Be- so the listeners know because you are small. I'm, I feel like I'm pretty average sized, um, but I'm very flexible and bendy, and I like to <laughs> and I like to practice. You know, I get mail like everyone else, and you get a package, and you try and see if you can fit inside it. Yeah, and- sure, you try to get inside the package. Yeah. Everybody does that. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, not everybody else tries to do that. Uh, Nathan, what's something that's really easy for you? Mine's more practical, I think. It's um, being really good at directions. I take one route one time where you drop me in a new city, I, give me a day, and I, you got it. I, I got it. Yeah, I the, got it. You're the mayor of that town in like Almost. one day. Yeah. You know yeah. it. Yeah. So we've got a word game for you called Easy Peasy. I'll give you a clue to a two-word phrase. The second word in the phrase is made by adding the letter P to the beginning of the first word. Puzzle Greg Pliska, how about an example? If the clue was how you'd describe the person currently occupying the Oval Office, you might have a lot of answers. But, <laughs> but the answer that we're looking for that fits the rules of this game is resident president. So you add a P to the word resident, and you get the word President. Okay. Okay. All right. Ring into answer. Here we go. The king of rock and roll caused a stir when he gyrated this body part. Nathan. Elvis Pelvis. Yeah, that's right. Thank you very much. <laughs> nice. I don't believe this house has a top. I demand confirming evidence. Nathan. Roof proof. That is exactly what I demand. Yeah. Wow. It's when Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts searches for his missing garment. Nathan. Robe probe. That is correct. 
which does sound like a New York Post headline. Yeah. <laughs> Right, like an investigation into Rope corruption Rope. of judges, yeah. I have dibs on this strawberry fruit spread. Lindsay. Uh, reserve preserve. That is correct. I'm a really picky artist. I say, my, my character is very angry in this game. <laughs> your, your character? Yeah, we're doing characters, right? <laughs> yeah, we're doing characters. I'm a really picky artist. I say if it is not watercolor, acrylic, or oil-based, then it... Nathan. Ain't or painter. <laughs> I don't know if we can... I, I have to go to my puzzle guru for, for a ruling on this. I'm not sure... I, I'm afraid that's not correct, Nathan. Not quite, not quite what we were looking for. Lindsay, do you know the answer? No. <laughs> Well, I'll give you a hint. Ainter is, isn't really a word. Yeah. No, I, I, I know. I know. <laughs> Unless, you, the, well, the sentence is, I ainter a painter. <laughs> That's how you use it. Ain't paint? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Yo, waiter, why didn't my entree arrive on time? Lindsay. Late plate? That is correct. Probably happened because you started your sentence with "yo waiter." <laughs> this is your last clue. Congratulations on your salary increase. I am so happy for you, Nathan. Raise praise. You got it. Greg Pliska, how did they do? Um, well, it was a very exciting game, and Lindsay made a good run at the end. But Nathan has won our first game and is one step closer to the final round. Ask Me Another is headed to the Nantucket Film Festival on June 21st. And if you want to play a game about words that rhyme with Nantucket, you should be a contestant. So put down that whalebone and go to amatickets.org to apply. Coming up, we have an REM music parody game about rapid eye movement. Mm -hmm. How do we come up with this stuff? I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Candid's Foundation Directory Online. For nonprofits in search of grant funding, FDO helps you see which funders are most likely to support your cause. FDO gives you access to the insights you need to build robust prospect lists and connect with the right grantmakers to meet your fundraising goals. Discover how Candid's FDO can help you win funding to support your mission-critical work at fdo.org NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor 3M. Supporting communities in the fight against COVID-19. Since the outbreak, 3M has responded with cash and product donations, including surgical masks, hand sanitizer, and respirators through local and global aid partners. In addition, 3M is on track to produce 2 billion respirators globally by the end of 2020. Learn how 3M is helping the world respond to COVID-19. Go to 3M.com COVID. 3M Science. Applied to life. This is NPR's Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton, here with puzzle guru Greg Pliska. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. Before the break, we met our contestants, Lindsay and Nathan. They say the most boring thing you can do is talk about your own dreams. Well, you're in luck. In this next game, we're singing about them. But first, let's check in with our contestants. Uh, Lindsay, do you have a reoccurring nightmare or dream? I had a dream many times and it was a very strange building that I just kept seeing over and over again but I'd never been to it before and yeah. then I drove by the Weehawken Public Library and I realized that was it. In your dream did you have to return a book or anything or was it? No it has kind of a tower and I kept dreaming about a chair and a children's wing in this tower and then I drove by it on the highway because it's right by the tunnel when you're going into Manhattan yeah. and then I was that's the building that's the tower that's sorry, where the children's a wing is a chair in the children's wing of the tower that is a terrifying image <laughs> just know. like an empty kids chair in a tower it was a normal sized chair <laughs> Jonathan well, I stand corrected <laughs> yeah. Yeah. nothing weird about that <laughs> okay so but you seem fine 
I am. Um, Nathan, do you have a recurring dream or nightmare? I mean, Lindsay's was a nightmare to everybody else that she classifies yeah, as yeah. a dream. So, Well, when I was younger, I did kind of um, teach myself to befriend the beasts or the monsters that were in my dream. So I'd basically just disengage them and become their friend. Did and then... not work in Stranger Things. No. 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 But uh, it worked for me. Really? It, yeah, it really did. So a monster would enter your dreams, and you would go, hey, what's going on? Let's chill. Let's, uh, let's watch uh, Nickelodeon, you know? <laughs> Or whatever. Monsters love but, Nick Jr.? Uh, yeah. Well, that was well before Nick Jr. Okay, sorry, Nickelodeon. Yeah, Nickelodeon. Yeah, yeah. Nickelodeon. These are already way more creative than my dreams. In my dreams, I'm like, I sometimes wake up in a sweat. I was like, did I return that email? I mean, that's like what I do in my yeah. dreams. Mundane, mundane. Yeah, the anxiety work dreams are the worst. The worst. They're the worst. Well, this next game is a music parody game called Rapid Eye Music. Nathan, you won the last game, so if you win this, you are in the final round. Lindsay, you need to win this, or you have to be the me in That's Me in the Corner. We rewrote songs by R.E.M., a band named for the phase of sleep where you experience vivid dreams. Now the songs are about commonly reported dream subjects. So ring in and tell me what dream I'm singing about. And if you get that right for a bonus point, you can name the original R.E.M. song. You ready? Okay. Ready. Here we go. Bite down on a sandwich. I know that something is wrong. My crumbling molars won't stay in my head for long. Lindsay. Teeth falling out. Your teeth falling out. That is correct. I have a similar one to that. It's a nightmare where I admit to my dentist how much I really floss. <laughs> what happens? Are they disappointed? <laughs> yeah, they're very, very disappointed yeah. in me. <laughs> Lindsay, for a bonus point, can you identify the original song? Losing My Religion? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Why am I in school? I'm 46 years old The SATs today Oh crap Lindsay Failing a test? Yeah, that's good, being unprepared for a test, that's right I still have these dreams, who, by applause, how many people still... I still have these. It's the worst thing. And it really is, there really is a moment where I'm like, wait a minute, I am pretty sure that I am done with school. <laughs> and yet I appear to be in the fifth grade wing of my elementary school. I don't yeah. know why. For a bonus point, can you identify the song? I cannot. <laughs> it is called Everybody Hurts. Oh, sorry, everyone. It's sad because it's true. <laughs> How did I get in the sky? I wish that I had learned to fly. I'm concrete bound. Here comes the ground. Lindsay. Falling from great heights? Yeah, falling. That's correct. <laughs> Lindsay, for a bonus point, can you name the song? I am not a big Aria fan. <laughs> <laughs> They were never going to come on our show anyway. It's fine. The name of the song was Fall On Me. Vicious, angry people after me. Try to run, but my feet won't let me. Vicious, angry people after me. Nathan. Being hunted down? Yeah, being hunted yeah. down or chased. That's correct. By the way, that was uh, the number one most commonly reported dream according to a study of Canadian university students <laughs> in 2003. Huh. It's because you got all those bears up there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's when you have, like, health care and stuff like that. You know, you're just like... Just imagine if we were in peril. Imagine what <laughs> yeah, that would exactly. be like. What would that feel like yeah, to yeah. not be taken care of? Yeah. For a bonus point, can you name that song, Nathan? Shiny Happy People. Yeah, you got it. This is your last clue. 
I am looking down from high above Down on all the earthbound fools I left behind I just forgot But now I float just fine I am looking down from high above Nathan Flying. Flying. You got it. And can you name the song? Uh, this crowd is going to kill me. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's in there. This one goes out to the one I love. Yeah, that's right. Nice pull, Nathan. Well done. All right. Puzzle Guru Greg Pliska, how did our contestants do? We actually have a tie. So I have a tiebreaker question for you. Buzz in if you know the answer. What film famously ends with Dorothy waking up from a full-color dream? Nathan? The Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz is correct, Nathan. And that means you have won two games and you will be going on to the final round at the end of the show. While Roseanne and Nathan get ready for the final round, it's time for us to play a game. This is Wisdom of the Crowd. Greg Pliska, remind us how this game works. We asked a previous live audience here at the Bell House to answer trivia questions with numerical answers. For example, what's the answer to life, the universe, and everything? 42. No, a previous audience. No, I'm kidding. 42 is, in fact, the answer to that question from uh, Douglas Adams, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So we averaged up everyone's responses to these questions, and now we'll compare the wisdom of the crowd to the wisdom of Ophira and Jonathan. Hmm, interesting. All right, here we go. According to the Orkin Pest Control Company, what is the life expectancy of a housefly? I'm going to say all summer. All, all summer. <laughs> the whole freaking summer. They buzz, come buzz, in. buzz. That's right. You're like, that fly again. No, you can't tell. <laughs> you can't tell if it's the same fly. Wait, when they come in your house, you don't put a little hat on them? <laughs> I try to, but they always fly away. Yeah, they do. I mean, I know that there are some flies who live like a day, it's right? Like the mayfly. I do agree. As a housefly, you get Seems to know like he's around forever. all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like longer than two weeks, could be three weeks. Could mm-hmm. they last a month? Mm-hmm. I don't know. They could last a month. They could last a month. It could be anything. We don't know anything sure, about biology. Sure. <laughs> Let, let's say a month. A month. All right. So you say 30 days, and the crowd thought a housefly lives for seven days. Mm. The correct answer, according to the Orkin Pest Control Company, is 15 to 30 days. You are correct. You just pick the extra long living, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them are dead in a couple weeks. The maximum. Weeks. Do yeah. we know uh, if the male or the female lives longer or anything like that? Do we know anything about it, that? The, you know, it depends upon the sex of the fly, the temperature, the living conditions. So if you make it real nice for them, yeah. give them a little bed, a lot of sure. food, they'll stay for little at least a month. Little matchboxes. Yeah. Like, do they match. take care of themselves? Do they exercise? Do right. they smoke yeah. cigarettes? Right. Are they vaping all day long? Right. Got it. All right, here's another one for you. How many seconds long is the shortest song to make the Billboard Hot 100? Well, listen, I mean, you know, you could, a pop song is usually, what, three-something, 320, 330. Yeah, I don't know, this is your stuff. This is my, this is my scene, so Tell let me, me lay it down. Let, okay. me, let me play some jazz for you right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but you know, you could do a solid uh, pop song in maybe two, 215, especially yeah. in the olden times, the Beatles era, your Tin Pan Alley. So, but I'm going to say there's some sort of weirdo novelty thing. Exactly. That was even less. Like what if they, I'm just going to try to use your lingo, like one or two licks. <laughs> a couple of licks. Just a couple of licks. A couple of licks and some lyrics. They did a tritone substitution, tritone a sinister bass solo. <laughs> Pickery third at the end. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. Hello, music geeks. So what, 20 seconds? Yeah, let's say, let's say 20 seconds. Okay, 20 seconds. Okay, you're going to say the shortest song to make the Billboard Hot 100 was 20 seconds Not long. Not saying it was a good song. <laughs> the crowd says the shortest song to hit the Billboard Hot 100 is 79 seconds long. Uh-oh. And the real answer is 45 seconds, which this requires doing math. We did math. You are closer yes. than the crowd once again. Yeah. 
It's a 2016 song called Pen Pineapple Apple Pen. Is it written by a machine? By a fictional Japanese pop star named Pico Taro. Oh. Let's hear a clip. Sure. I have a pen. I have an apple. Um, apple pen. That was almost the whole song, right? Yeah, that was pretty feels- good. <laughs> that was pretty good. I love it. Um, so that was an act. You guys did an excellent job. Yeah, all right. In fact, you got them all right. Hey. So good work, Ophira. Good work, Jonathan. And good work, audience. Thank you. It's time to crown our big winner. Let's bring back our finalist, Roseanne, a self-described second-rate trumpet player. But Ed Koch patted her on her back. (laughs) And Nathan, who made friends with the monsters in his dreams. Puzzle guru Greg Pliska, take it away. Roseanne and Nathan, your final round is called Madam, I'm Adam. Every answer is a well-known person or fictional character whose first or last name is a palindrome. And a palindrome, as you know, is a word that reads the same forwards and backwards. For example, if I said at age 11 she won an Oscar for her first movie role in The Piano, you'd answer Anna Paquin, because her first name, Anna, is a palindrome, spells the same forwards and backwards. Now, our big winner will receive an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube, signed by the SpongeBob people, Ethan and Kyle and maybe Jonathan. I would be happy to sign it. Okay, good. Thank you. (laughs) Now, we rolled a 20-sided die backstage, and Roseanne is going to go first. According to the Bible, she is Adam's wife. Eve. That is correct. Nathan, Miley Cyrus's alter ego on a long-running Disney Channel program. (laughs) Um, Hannah Montana. That is correct. Roseanne, billionaire Hungarian hedge fund manager and investor who often gives money to liberal causes. George Soros. That is correct. Uh, Nathan, Lord Byron's daughter, often credited as the first computer programmer. Don't know it. Don't know. I'm sorry. The answer we were looking for is Ada Lovelace. All right, Roseanne, young actor who starred as Hugo in Hugo and Ender in Ender's Game. I'm afraid I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. The answer is Asa Butterfield. All right, Nathan, French-born author, known for the multiple volumes of her diaries, as well as the posthumous erotic novel Delta of Venus. Gosh, I should really read more, huh? Erotic novels, at least. Oh, at least. Do you have an answer, Nathan? I don't. Okay, the answer we were looking for is Anais Nin. Mm, mm. Okay. Roseanne, (laughs) multimedia artist, singer, songwriter, and wife of John Lennon. Yoko Ono. That is correct. Nathan, Jamaican singer and songwriter known for No Woman, No Cry, and One Love, and college dorm room posters. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be Sir Bob Marley. That is correct. We're at the halfway point, and Roseanne is in the lead three to two. All right, Roseanne. He was the founder and first chancellor of the German Empire. Otto something. (laughs) We're going to need more of his name, I'm afraid. Mm, Kaiser Otto. (laughs) No, I'm sorry. What we were looking for was Otto von Bismarck. All right, Nathan. The director of Selma and A Wrinkle in Time. Um, 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 hmm. uh, Three seconds? It's not coming to me. Not coming to you? The no. correct answer is Ava DuVernay. Roseanne, she is a Yugoslavian-born former number one tennis player and the youngest French Open champion at the age of 16. Um, oh, I'm at a loss. The answer is Monica Sellis. All right, Nathan. He plays Hawkeye in The Avengers, but not in Infinity War. Uh, I don't watch the comic book movies. Um, (laughs) uh, I I don't have it. No, the correct answer is Jeremy Renner. All right, Roseanne. Longtime Vogue editor-in-chief who hosts the Met Gala. Anna Wintour. That is correct. Nathan, if you get this question wrong, Roseanne wins the game. 
All right, Nathan. He's the narrator of Charles Dickens' Great Expectations. Roseanne, I think you're going to... Uh... <laughs> you want to have to start you, practicing you, Rubik's Cube. You want to um, just guess any palindrome? <laughs> Bob? No, I'm Bob sorry. Again? Is, it, is it Bob again? I'm sorry, it is not Bob. The correct answer is Pip from Charles Pip. Dickens' Great Expectations. So, Roseanne, you have won our game by a score of four to two. Nathan, thank you so much. Such a fun contestant. You were awesome. Well done. And congratulations. Roseanne, you are the big winner. And that's our show. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is Greg Pliska. Hey, my name anagrams to Sparkle Gig. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Thou jolt a cannon. Our puzzles were written by Carol Lee and senior writers Eric Feinstein and Karen Lurie with additional material by Will Hines. Our acting senior supervising producer is Rachel Neal. Ask Me Another is produced by Sylvie Douglas, Mike Katzeff, Travis Larchuk, Kiara Powell, Denny Shin, Ramel Wood, and our intern, Georgia Wright, along with Steve Nelson and Anya Grunman. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore, Noriko Okabe, and David Hurtkin. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, New York, The Bell House. Hot Heel Blues. And our production partner, WNYC. I'm Harite Begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Happy to hear you're still listening, and since you're still here, why not pop over to Apple Podcasts and write us a review? We love to hear from you, and it helps others find out about our show. For additional information about new episodes, upcoming live shows, road shows, and bonus games, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Thanks! Next time on Ask Me Another, Emmy Award-winning actor Michael C. Hall tells us how he got into character for his role as a serial killer on the television series Dexter. I, um, I killed seven people. No, I didn't, I didn't kill anybody. So join me, Ophira Eisenberg, for NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia.